Well, good morning. My name is Michael Fay. I'm the missions pastor here at McDowell Mountain Community Church, and I'm so excited to be with you uh, this morning. We are in a series called Breathing Room, and the baseline uh, scripture for this series is found in Matthew chapter 16, and it says this, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose his soul in the process? Is there anything worth losing your, your soul for? And we've been looking at our lives, and we know that we, we live in a world that is telling us that in order to get the most out of life, you have to continue to add more and more and more things into your life. And we begin living at a pace that we cannot sustain. And if we live at this kind of pace and we don't have breathing room, you can begin to suffer some of the consequences of not having breathing room. Last week, Mark um, talked to us a little bit about one of those consequences that, that we will find ourselves physically spent. And if you were here last week, you saw Mark begin uh, the sermon on a treadmill, and the treadmill kept increasing in speed. How many of you were worried Mark was going to fall off the treadmill? <laughs> Me too. But, but, but being the video guy, I mean, all I could think about was America's Funniest Videos, Grand Prize. And so I, I, I was worried, but at the same time, I had the camera rolling. I mean, the camera, the camera was rolling. <laughs> but it was a, a phenomenal illustration because it's true. We begin living at this pace, right? And we start adding other things, and pretty soon, we just can't maintain the pace that we are going. And if we continue to try to do it without taking time to stop and breathe, we could crash and burn. And the effects and the consequences can be severe. So Mark reminded us of um, something that God instituted with the Israelites back in the Old Testament, with this idea of Sabbath, of finding rest for our souls, that we have time to recover and replenish so that we aren't physically exhausted. And today I'm excited uh, about sharing with you something that God has laid on my heart about another consequence that we may face if we don't find breathing room in our lives. But before we jump in and dive into scripture, I want to do a little activity with you that I think is very appropriate for this series that we are in this morning. What I want you to do for the next minute is to breathe completely normal. Now, that's a thing that you probably shouldn't tell people because now you're all going to think about how you're breathing and you'll probably change the way that you're actually breathing. But do your best to continue breathing the same way that you were since the beginning of the sermon. And for the next minute, I want you to count how many breaths you take over the course of the next minute. All right? Deal? Everybody understand? All right. On your mark, get set, go. And stop. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, that was awkward. I was like, I was so quiet. If, you came, if someone came in from the back, they're like, what did I just step into here? <laughs> How many of you took between four or six breaths per minute? Anybody in the four to six breaths in that minute? 
phase. Awesome. Good for you. Good for you. Awesome. How many of you were around like 10, 11, 12 breaths, somewhere right around in there? Okay. Is anybody upwards like 15 breaths or more? Okay. Yeah, me. I was up there because I'm standing in front of all of you and it was silent and you were all looking at me. That's a little nerve-wracking. So I was breathing a little bit faster. I, I found myself breathing slow and then I'd like look up at all of you and I was like, okay, okay, they're looking at me. Right? Now, why did we do this? What, what is the purpose of this activity? Well, science, uh, scientists and doctors have done research and they have determined that the optimal number of breaths a, a person in a resting state should be taking per minute is between four and six breaths per minute. And if they are breathing correctly, this person should receive 95% of the energy they need for the day simply from their oxygen intake. So those of you who are breathing four to six breaths per minute, good for you. You are like the optimal human being. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Now, what's interesting, though, is that in America, on average, adults are breathing anywhere between 16 and 20 breaths per minute at a resting state. And scientists are seeing that they're only receiving between 20 and 30 percent of their energy from their oxygen intake. That people, for some reason, are taking shorter, shallower breaths more often every minute than they should be. Now, why is this important? Well, research would show you that once you start breathing about 12, 13 breaths per minute, your body triggers its sympathetic nervous system, which tells your body that there's a threat or that there's a danger nearby. It's the same nervous system that would kick into gear if you were walking in the forest and you encountered a grizzly bear. The problem is, for some of us, there are no grizzly bears anywhere in sight. And we find ourselves in this state for prolonged periods of time. And what research shows is if you're in this prolonged state of your sympathetic nervous system kicking in gear and you're breathing at this pace, you begin to become emotionally frazzled. You suffer the effects of stress and anxiety, fear, unwarranted anger and depression. See, if we're living at this pace, we're breathing in this way, and we don't have breathing room to stop and slow down, we may find ourselves emotionally frazzled. Maybe a more harsh way of saying it is we might find ourselves emotionally unhealthy. So that's what I want to look at today, is how do we find breathing room in the midst of the chaos so that we don't become emotionally frazzled. Now, some of you this morning are, are probably thinking, well, I can tune out now because I'm not emotionally frazzled. Michael's talking to those people that are worriers or they have stress about stuff. I mean, I have a little bit of stress in my life. <laughs> I'm not emotionally frazzled. So he's obviously not talking to me. And so I just want to ask a couple questions that may help us determine whether or not we are emotionally where God would have us be, people who are thriving and are emotionally healthy. So just a couple questions. Have you ever found yourself awoken in the middle of the night because something from work popped in your head and you couldn't fall back to sleep because you started worrying about it? If so, you might be emotionally frazzled. I sound like Jeff Foxworthy. You might be a redneck now. Have you ever found yourself being short with your spouse or your children after a long day in the office? You're just, you're just impatient with them might be a little emotionally frazzled. Do you ever find yourself getting angry at things that don't warrant the amount of anger that you showed, 
like someone cutting you off in traffic or someone leaving a shopping cart in the middle of a parking space and not putting it back in the cart return and just get so mad. You might be emotionally frazzled. Do you ever find yourself looking for outside factors to help you escape perhaps the stress and the worry that you have in your life? Maybe you say phrases like, I just need a drink, or I just need to go on a vacation. Maybe you use phrases like, well, as soon as this season ends, then I'll have space to rest. You might be emotionally frazzled. That's what I want to look at today. And so if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 5, not Matthew, Luke chapter 5. And that's where we're going to land this morning. But before we jump into Scripture, let's pray and invite God uh, to open our eyes and ears to his truth this morning. God, thank you for this opportunity to come into this place. And God, I pray that you would open our eyes and our ears to see and to hear your truth this morning. God, I pray that you would give us the strength to be honest to look within ourselves and to find if there's room uh, to breathe, to find if, if we can become better with our emotional health. God, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. So Luke chapter 5, just a little bit of context for you. In, in Luke chapter 5, Jesus has just begun his public ministry. And he has gone around and he started teaching the people and doing miracles and healing people. He started choosing some of his disciples. He's engaging in conversations with the Pharisees and and debates about theology. And at the beginning of Luke chapter 5, Jesus heals a man who has leprosy. And he tells the man who has leprosy, don't go tell anybody about what just happened. And so the man literally leaves Jesus and goes and tells everyone what just happened, about what Jesus had done for him, because it was so amazing. And so Jesus' fame that he already had just increases all the more, more and more famous. And everywhere Jesus goes, there's people who are coming to see him, who are are lining up because they want to talk to him or they want him to heal them or just to touch the hem of his garment. And we have this passage in Luke chapter 15. It says this, Luke, Luke chapter 5, verse 15, it says this, Yet the news about him spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. Right? So people were lining up. Jesus, we need you here. Jesus, we need you here. Jesus, can you come help us, please? Verse 16. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. People came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses, but... Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So people were lining up to see him, and they were coming, and he was helping them. But at one point, he would, he would have to leave them and retreat to a lonely place to pray. Well, Jesus, these people, they need you. They, they have to... Like, like they have needs and they need to be healed and people are, are coming to see you and, and you're leaving to go to a solitary place to pray. Well, they, they need you over here. Why would he do this? And since Jesus was saying no to the needs of these people for a moment, to say yes to something that I think is so vital for us to remain emotionally healthy people, the people that God is calling us to become, Jesus was saying no to the needs of these people for a moment so that he could say yes to be in the presence of his heavenly Father. I thought this passage was so interesting that in the midst of Jesus' life, in the midst of all the chaos of all the people who came 
needing him and wanting to be near him and needing to be healed, he would, he would leave them and withdraw himself and go to a place to pray. I began wondering, why would he do this? What was it about prayer for Jesus at this time? Now, I had someone tell me once, well, Michael, uh, Jesus would do this because um, he needed to recharge his batteries. So in a sense, Jesus was tired, he'd leave so he could rest and pray, and then he'd be ready to come back and do more ministry. And while I do think that there's part of it that's just physical rest, I think there's something more going on here with prayer. Something else is happening. And so I started thinking, I wanted to know, what, what is it about prayer and why would Jesus do this? And, and I wanted to put myself in Jesus' shoes. So I, I began to think about, if I was traveling around and everywhere I went, there were dozens of people lined up needing me and wanting me and, and needing something from me. And I was interacting with all these people who had all these broken things in their lives. And then I'd go over here and these teachers of the law and these, these religious experts would start quizzing me and testing me and debating me on certain topics. And then I go over here and I'm with my disciples who just seem dull sometimes. And I'm like, come on, don't you get it? And then I'm going over here and there's more people who need me to, to heal them and do other things. I wonder if it ever took its toll on Jesus. When I think about my own life, I know that in the chaos and the busyness of everything going on, sometimes I feel overwhelmed. I mean, I have four children. And when I go home, it's like, I can't imagine my wife is with them all day. Bless her heart, right? And then I have obligations at work, and I'm a pastor, and there's things that my coworkers need from me, and then I meet with people, and I get to pray with people, and I love that part of my job. And there's all these different things that people, that I'm engaged with, and these obligations and things I have, and sometimes I feel overwhelmed. And I wonder if Jesus ever felt the effects of all the people who came to him. So I began to wonder if for Jesus, this prayer time, was a venue for Jesus to be open and honest with his Father. That's what I've come to conclude, is that prayer for us can be a venue where you and I can be open and honest with God. It got me wondering if Jesus would ever, would ever go to, to his Father in prayer and say, Father, I, I'm, my heart is broken for this mother whose child was sick and dying. And God, thank you for the power to heal her daughter. But Father, my, my heart is broken for the pain that she had to endure all those years. Listening to her story broke my heart. I wonder if Jesus ever disclosed to his heavenly Father his anger and frustration towards the Pharisees. Father, they don't get it. Their thinking is so backwards. How have we come this far? God, help them. I wonder if he ever conveyed his worry and, and anxiety over his disciples and whether or not they were prepared for what was to come for them years down the road, the persecution and the execution. I wonder if in these moments, Jesus was honest to God. Because when I think about my own life and I'm overwhelmed with all the different things I have going on, uh, the this, this stress just sits right here on my chest. A couple weeks ago, Mark talked about how the stress sits on his shoulders. For me, it sits right here on my chest. Literally makes it hard to breathe sometimes. I wonder if for Jesus, prayer was this time to, to give God 
but was piling on top of him and amongst all the chaos and the problems he was encountering. First Peter chapter 5, verse 7 tells us this. Cast all your anxieties and your worries on God, for he cares for you. Peter pleads with us, please, he pleads with us to give God our anxiety and our worries, our fears and our anger and our frustration. Give them to God. God is big enough to take those from you. And not only is he capable of doing that, he wants you to give those to him. I believe prayer provides us breathing room because we're able to be open and honest with God and give him those cares that typically lead us to experience stress and anxiety. We have the opportunity to be honest with our Heavenly Father. When I think about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane before he's arrested and sent to trial, what does he do? He retreats from his disciples, kneels down and prays, and he pleads with God this honest prayer of how he feels. My soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. I don't think I can do this, God. If there's any way, can you take this cup from me? Honesty. Giving it to God. This is, this is what I'm feeling. I believe in order for us to find breathing room, to become the emotionally healthy people God wants us to be, we must retreat to a quiet place in prayer and be honest with God. The second thing I believe prayer does for us can lead us to find breathing room in our lives is prayer reminds us that we are not alone in this thing we call life. Prayer reminds us that we're not alone in all of this. There's a, a passage of scripture that often pops into my mind when I have my quiet time or when I'm in prayer. And it's found in, in Psalm 46, and it says, Be still and know that I am God. Right? It's a, it's a, it's a famous verse. Be still and know that I am God. And I, I would often think about this verse, and it would remind me that in my prayer time, I need to literally just be still and listen for God's voice. And that prayer should be in this quiet place, and I should just be still before God. But recently, this, this verse has kind of... Uh, turned a little bit and taken on a different meaning to me. And I felt like God was speaking something different to me through this verse. Recently, I've been reading this verse to say this, Michael, be still and know that I am God and that you are not God. Well, Michael, that's obvious. You think that you're God? Well, you're, you have some delusions. No, when I analyze my life and I look about how I'm living my life, I find that perhaps I'm operating in a way that looks like I think that I'm God. And that all of these things are on me. And that I'm, I'm existing in this world where there's all these plates that are spinning and I have to continue to spin them. And if I miss one, one of them's gonna fall down and knock all the things down and all the plates will come crashing down and break and it will be a nightmare. And everything will collapse because I believe it's all on me. And if I stop, everything will fall apart. So I have to keep this pace, I have to keep going. And I find myself without breathing room. And so God, through this scripture, is reminding me, Michael, stop. Be still and know that I am God and that you are not God. And that's okay. In fact, that's a good thing. Well, me and my wife like to take our daughter uh, to the mall, to the play area. 
Um, and I remember when she was really young, we took her to the mall. It was one of the first times we took her there. And we like set her down and we said like, okay, go play. And so she kind of like walked a step and then she was like, like what? I don't know what I'm doing here. And so she reached for me. I said, no, 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 go play. Daddy's going to sit over here and be lazy. And so I remember sitting down and so she kind of like stayed there and that makes me sound like a terrible father. We were like, no, 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 go play, go play. And so she kind of would, would take a couple steps and then she'd like turn back and look at us and we'd wave at her and she would be like, okay. And then she'd like kind of go play a little bit and she'd go over and she'd like touch the slide and then she'd kind of come back over to us. I'm like, no, 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 go play, go play. And this routine would happen over and over and over until it got to the point where she began to trust that I, her father, had his eye on her and that she could go anywhere in the play area and even though she might be by herself climbing the steps of the slide, that she wasn't really alone because his, her father had his eye on her, which gave her the freedom to take a chance to go down the slide or to climb up the foam rubber mountain thing or whatever it was. I think the same is true for us. That prayer, when we stop, when we retreat to a quiet place, and we hear God's voice reminding us that he is with us, it's this reminder that we are not alone. Reminds us that he is God and that we are not. Which should give us the freedom to operate in the chaos of our lives. That obstacles may come, issues may happen at work, this thing might happen here, and, and although they may seem stressful, because I'm reminded I'm not alone in this, it gives me the ability to navigate those things without becoming overwhelmed with stress and anxiety, and fear. Prayer reminds us that we are not alone in this thing we call life. The last thing I think prayer does for us is that it reminds us or reorients us to know where our worth is truly found. Prayer reminds us of where our worth is truly found. Uh, last week, Mark talked about the idea of Sabbath. And he talked about God commanding the, the Israelites to take a day off to rest. And, and part of that was to, to rest their bodies and find physical rejuvenation and to, and to be still. And for 400 years prior to this, the Israelites were slaves. And they never had a day off. And their worth was found in producing bricks. Brick after brick, your worth was determined by how many bricks you could produce for the Pharaoh. And so God rescues them from, from being slaves in Egypt, and now they are free. But what God knows is deep down, their identity was still wrapped up in this idea that it should be found in what they produced. So God commands them to take a day off. Well, why? To rest but also to show them that their worth didn't come any longer from what they produced, but that their worth was now found in who they belonged to. That their worth was now found in the fact that they were sons and daughters of the Most High God. And so Sabbath was this day where they would sit and they wouldn't work, which in Egypt meant you don't have any value, you're not working, you're not producing. But now in God's new economy in Israel, you rest because God loves you. And you're reminded that your value is not found in what you produce. Your value is found in the fact that you are God's chosen people. 
I think prayer for us is a daily Sabbath, an opportunity for us to have a time that's unlike any other time in the day where we stop and we give this moment to God and he reminds us in that prayer time that our value is not found in what we produce, but in who we belong to, that we are God's chosen people. I have a friend who um, worked in education for many, many years. He was a teacher, and then a principal, and then a superintendent. And, he, and that's, that's, that's all he did was education, education, education. And this last year, he retired. So he's no longer in the classroom or working at a school. And he also was a golfer. If you knew him, you knew he played golf. And he was always at the club. In the summer, when there wasn't school going on, he was at the country club playing golf with people. He just loved it. And if you knew this person, you knew two things about him. Educator, golfer. In the last year, he hurt his shoulder. He's been unable to play golf. So the two things that he most identified himself with, education and golf, were taken from him. I can tell you right now, my friend is emotionally a wreck. He's depressed. Well, why? Because the two places where he found his worth and his value have been taken from him. And he's left having this identity crisis. Who am I? I look out in this audience right now and I see a lot of people who are successful at what they do. And we achieve great things and we attain great things. But here's the danger. When we find our worth and our value in what we produce or what we achieve or what we attain, when those things get difficult, or there's issues at work, or there's a bumpy road that we're traveling on, we become extremely stressed and have anxiety because we're worried that the things that we find value in could disappear. And so we stress about those things and we worry about those things because we say, that's where my value is found, in this successful business, and so it has to be successful, and so I want to pour my life into this so it's successful so I have value. I think what prayer does for us is it allows us to stop and it reorients us and helps us understand that our value is found in the fact that God loves us as we are unconditionally. And although we have obligations and things at work that could overwhelm us and stress us out, having this, this prayer time where we escape to find breathing room so that God can speak into us, we are reminded that yes, I have those obligations, but my value is really found in the fact that God loves me. And yes, that, that's a big issue that I have to deal with, but you know what? At the end of the day, God loves me, and I'm his beloved. I believe prayer does these things for us in our lives. And, and, and I want to close with this. To be honest, this, this sermon is hard for me because when I think about my life, of all the consequences that we're going to talk about in the course of this series, the one that affects me the most when I don't have breathing room is this. And I find myself being emotionally frazzled. And I can tell you over the past year, I have not made an effort to find breathing room in my life, to retreat to solitary places to pray and to give God the things that are on my chest. I haven't done this. And I can tell you, if I'm honest with you, that I found myself stressed and full of anxiety I, I could tell you that there were days I've come home and I've been short with my kids and my wife and they hadn't done anything to deserve it. I got a technical foul in a church league basketball game <laughs> for, 
for excessive verbal abuse of an official. And I'm a pastor. And I'm the captain of the team. Like, that's so embarrassing. Right now, you're thinking, this guy should not be speaking. I'm going to send an email to Mark. This guy is emotionally unstable. He was making terrible calls, though. And I remember I was so embarrassed, and I... Like, I went to the, the teen, it's like a teenager, and I went to him afterwards, and I said, I'm so sorry, I don't know where that came from. And he was like, okay. <laughs> where did, I, I remember sitting on the bench thinking, where did that come from? <laughs> I, I'm emotionally frazzled. But I could tell you through prayer, through, through saying no to some of my obligations for a moment so I can come over here and say yes to my heavenly father, to be in his presence, to share with him what's, what's inside my heart. God, I have to give you these burdens, to let him speak into me and remind me that I'm not alone in this, and for him to reorient me, to help me understand where my worth is found. In doing this, I can tell you, I, less emotionally frazzled than I was. I'm still working on it. But I would invite you, perhaps anything I, I've said, if you can identify with that, if you, if you have a hard time when you go to the grocery store and someone parks their, their, their cart in the middle of a parking space instead of the cart rental and drives you nuts, maybe it's time to retreat to a quiet place <laughs> and pray. Maybe you're overwhelmed and stressed with something going on at work. Maybe a family member is sick and you just feel overwhelmed. I would just invite you in order to find breathing room so that you're not emotionally frazzled to withdraw yourself and go to a quiet place and be honest with God and let him remind you where your worth is found. Like we do each week, I want to invite you to respond this morning if you feel led to do so. We have crosses up here that you can, you can pin a note uh, on the cross inviting God to take a burden from you, perhaps. Maybe you want to light a candle. Light in, in the Bible always represented God's presence. Maybe you want to say, God, I need you to flood my heart this morning with your presence. We want to give you the opportunity to respond. Would you stand with me? Let's close in prayer. God, I thank you that you are a God that invites us to cast our cares and our anxieties and our fears upon you. You invite us to give you our burdens. God, I thank you that I can be honest with you. I can share with you the things that, that I'm, I'm carrying, my anger, my frustration, my worry, my anxiety. Thank you for being a God who loves me as I am and wants to help me carry those things. God, I pray this week that we could be honest with ourselves, to look within and, and, and ask God, am I carrying something that I could give to you? God, help us find breathing room this week that we may become the emotionally healthy people you are calling us to become. We love you. We thank you for everything you do for us. In your name we pray. Amen.